debt. It is the pits. And we're really kind of dreaming like, hey, when, that, when it's paid off in like a thousand years, what should we do with it? And, uh, and she's like, well, we should, we should get a pool. And I was like, a pool? What? And she kept talking about a pool. Because I've been married for almost 10 years. My wife has a strategy. She likes to bring things up and speak them into existence. That why then, that's why, then what happens is she's like, well, Jason, we talked about this. As she has people digging up our backyard to install a pool because, Jason, we talked about this. So I've learned that. It's a, it's a really wise, uh, wise strategy, but I've caught on to my wife. And, uh, and so we're talking about that. And then, and then we're, she's, she comes home one day, and there's a package on the front, door, on the front porch. And, and she texts me like, Jason, are you trying to tell me something, a picture of this big package? Because inside was a big pool chair <laughs> for floating in, in said pool. And I was like, no. Maybe you should reach out to Jordan, who lives with us, because it's Father's Day, and that's his Father's Day gift for his dad. There is no subliminal message. We are not getting a pool. <laughs> Had I responded to my wife with getting a pool, taking out the debt to get said pool, you know what my actions would have communicated? I value debt more than I value no debt. <laughs> I value taking on, taking on more debt than I value getting out of debt. What we do communicates our priorities, communicates our values. So when we think about the Word of God, what we do with it communicates something to God. Have we, have we, in our actions, in our thoughts, heard from the Word of God? And maybe we're not texting God, K, but we're acting like, oh, I've read this, K. <laughs> How do we value the Word of God, and what would, it, what would our actions communicate to Him? Do we handle this Word with a sense of urgency, or are we too busy handling culture and the things of this world with much more urgency than this? Is what's here and now more urgent than what says in God's word? And so Jesus goes to that place and he tells a parable, a story, as we turn to Luke chapter 8 to, to look at, to look at what, what, how we should respond to the, to the word of God. He tells a story because that's how people would understand stories and how it would maybe weed some people out. We'll get to that in a second. So as we look at this, what he'll do is he'll tell us a story. He'll explain the story. And then, then what Luke is going to do is he'll show us story after story about people, how they respond positively, negatively, or impartially to the word of God. We'll look at that for the next few weeks. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask that you would stand. Would you stand as we read this story that Jesus tells? We don't do this every time we read scripture, but I felt like it was appropriate for this conversation. And now, here's what it says in Luke chapter 8. And when the great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him. Now, now Jesus has a big old following. They're coming to him. Now it's multiple towns coming at one time. And he said in a parable. Now, why is Jesus telling a story? He's telling a story because a whole lot of people are coming to him. And if he tells a story, which is not a true story, but a story to, to illustrate a point, what he will do is he'll say, hey, if I tell you this story, some of you will actually care and give it thought. But some of you are here for a little tickling of the ear. Some of you that are here just for a good old time, you're not going to care what the story really says until you'll just go on your way. And so he tells this parable. He says, a sower went out to sow a seed. 
and he sow and he sowed. And some fell along the path and were and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And, and as it grew up, he withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and what? Choked it. And some fell on the good soil, into the good soil, and grew up, and it yielded a hundredfold, a good old harvest. And as he said these things, he called out, he said, he who has ears, let him hear what we were just talking about. Some will give this thought, and some will not. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, meant he said, to you it has been given and to you to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. You guys can have a seat. So he's looking at his audience, and we're from the Jersey Shore. We don't maybe understand what it means to be a farmer, but back in the day, they would understand it. Probably the only person in the room would be our good friend, uh, good good friend Quinn, who grew up in the Midwest. She understands farming, and what we understand of farming is these nice neat little rows but Jesus knowing his audience speaks about farming where you would rough up the soil and then you would just throw out a whole bunch of seed some of it would stick and some of it wouldn't so he uses this to illustrate how people respond to the word of God some you know who doesn't come to Jesus asking for understanding the crowd they were there just for a good old jolly but the disciples they were in it and they Go to Jesus to gain more understanding. As you hear the word of God, what do you do with it? Do you walk away confused saying, oh, whatever? Or do you go and seek more understanding? Your response communicates something. And that's what Jesus is doing here. I think this is the main idea for us, not only in this sermon, but the entire series. Here's the big thought. Response communicates priority. It's really, really that simple. How we respond to truth shows if we consider it to be a priority. When your spouse says, hey, will you pick up these five things from the grocery store? And you come back with three saying, well, the other things were on sale. I just didn't want to get those things. Your response communicates priority. When when your teenage son who has a curfew of 10 p.m. comes home at 11.32 and they were just like, well, I kind of just lost track of tra time. The response communicates, I didn't give two craps about your curfew to give any, any consideration. Our response communicates priority. What is our response to God's word? Have you thought about how he will hold us accountable for how we respond to truth? what we did with what we know you won't be able to stand before him and say well jesus i had the best of intentions but i did da -da 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 -da. you're not judged for your intentions you'll be looked upon at your actions what did you do so jesus explains this parable and he talks about what it means to to prioritize the world to prioritize God's word and how to prioritize the one, the one that does not know Jesus. And so here's, here's what it looks like to prioritize the world. Our, our response communicates priority. Here's what it's like to prioritize the world. And he says this. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. He makes it crystal clear. If you are confused about this story, it's the word of God that we're flinging around and seeing what sticks. <laughs> The, the, the ones along the path are those who heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and, to, and be saved. And the ones who are on the rock are those who, uh, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But 
these have no root. Uh, they believe for a while, and then in time of what testing, they fall away. And as for the ones that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but they do, but they go, they go their way. They are choked by the cares, the riches, the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. The first, four, the first three soils are the ones that Jesus is, is condemning for, for your lack of interest, for your inadequate commitment, uh, a surface-level commitment, or, or, by, or for competing your, priority, your, your system of priorities versus the priorities of the world. It's competing, and you, and you flake out. And so Jesus is saying, I give the word generously. Anybody can hear it. Anybody can know it. But here's, here's what's also true, is that there is a war against your soul. The enemy, the devil, is real. He's not fictitious. There is a real battle for your soul. But because he is unseen, we give him no thought. We, we, we think he must not be real. But what Jesus is making perfectly clear, Satan does not want you to know the truth of God's word. Why? Why in Ephesians when he talks about the armor of God, when we're under attack, how we put on God's armor? Here, we're going to talk about that in a few months more, but I'll give you one little cliff note. In that armor, there is one offensive weapon to cling to the sword, which is God's word. Where Satan wants to throw lies at you, where Satan wants to throw whatever obstacle he can at you to thwart the power of God, we cling to the God's word as our offensive weapon against the lies of the evil one. And so there will be people who hear God's word, but it will fall along the path where the, where the soil hasn't been roughed up. It won't take root. And so they say, well, this isn't for me. It's not I. They reject it. They are people who will not be saved. But then there are others that when they hear this word, it's, 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 it takes a little bit of root, but they fall away with, when, it gets, when you get tested, when there's this testing of like, oh, I, I've said yes to Jesus. Maybe I lifted a holy hand. I receive it with joy. But then a hard time comes. Maybe, that, maybe you know somebody that came here and said yes to a relationship with Jesus. They were full of joy. But not enough joy to sign up for a starting point and really enter into a conversation. Or when they left here, they were like, hey, I lifted a holy hand. And they go back to a spouse that says, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> and then they're out. They tell their kids and their kids judge them and so they're out. They go back and they said yes to Jesus and they find their bank account there or a death or this, that, the other thing. They, what, at the first challenge that comes their way, it's really Jesus and they're out. Then they have those that fall along, along the, about the weeds or about the, the thorns. They, they first throw shines of discipleship. Maybe, maybe they go to a starting point. They sit there for, for three weeks. They're kind of hearing it. They're giving it a little bit. They, they seem like they've got it going on. But the more they get involved, the more they hear about the priorities of God's word, what God values, they start remembering culture. Well, culture says this is the value. The culture values getting rich and being selfish. God talks about getting Oh, just being generous? Oh, there's these competing values that drain our energy and keep us to, to, to get unfocused on God's word. And so when we get these, these, these competing values, these competing concerns, we flake out and says, this is no longer of worth to me. 
I'd rather, instead of, of talking about God's word, I'd rather bicker and complain about politics or civic battles or the town gossip. I'd rather have that tie up all of my thinking versus what God's word says of my life. And so they are choked out. You know what makes me feel choked out? Politics. And next year, we're going to elect a president. And it's going to be awful again in America. <laughs> and I don't say that referring to anybody. But there's a word known as bigotry that, that is a word that we throw around a lot in our, in our pol political culture. And what I think but, uh, it means intolerance towards those who hold different opinions from oneself. You know what we're doing as a culture? We're redefining this word. We're redefining it to mean if I hold to these set of standards, these are okay. You're not a bigot if you hold to these standards. But if you hold to these standards, it doesn't matter how you act. It doesn't matter how loving you are. It doesn't matter if you can have a different opinion while being tolerant, while being understanding. It doesn't matter. If you hold these opinions, you are a bigot. That's not the definition. The definition is have your opinion, but how are you treating people? How are you loving people? So as a society, we want to change this definition, and it always comes up during the political season. I wanted to do a series next year, but every time I floated it by people, they said you should not do it. I wanted to do a series next year called Make Social Media Fun Again, right around, this, right around October. And they were like, well, people are going to assume political beliefs, and this and so we don't do it. But, but the reason I wanted to do that because young people come to me and ask, like, Jason, how do, you, how, do you, how do we think about this? How should we navigate through this political climate that we have? How do we hold true to God's word and what culture says? And isn't that the competing thought? I've wanted to get on social media and go Facebook Live and blast people as they're like, well, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I hold to this opinion. That's not in God's word. And I've wanted to blast that, but then I was like, no, like, is that worth it? But then I've also wanted to get on and blast the government for saying, you're going to vote on what? And it has what implication on the church? And I wanted to blast, and I wanted to go all over the, I've wanted to, I, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are. Aren't there people that by definition are bigots on both sides? And I've wanted to blast and blast and blast. But y'all should be thankful of Graham Wilson, who's in charge of social media and, uh, and communication. Because I'll ask his opinion, and he'll be like, well, maybe not, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> and it reminds me of, of a passage like this, to get refocused on God's word, and not just my opinion or my emotions. God's word says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of God, godliness, but what? Denying its power. Avoid such people. What I know is, from the truth of God's word is guess what? Until Jesus comes back, it ain't going to get better. It's going to get harder, and our viewpoint of God's word is going to continue to be in competition with the world. And so here's where we have a choice. Are we going to cave to culture, or are we going to cave to God's word? Are we going to hate culture, or are we going to see it as a mission field? Are we going to look to be influenced by culture, 
or to get out into our coffee shops, to get out into our jobs and try to influence culture with the priorities of God's word. Some of us are too worried about our rights, our comforts, that we're silencing the voice of God and what he says through the word. I want to be, I want to handle this with more urgency than I handle anything in culture because God's word is truth that I have to cling to whenever the culture is under fire and there is a war on us. So here's what it means to prioritize the word. Response communicates priority. We can prioritize the world or we can prioritize the word. And, and this is what Jesus says, as for, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold fast in an honest and good heart and they and bear fruit with patience. This is where the fruit comes, but, it, but it's patience. These are people that, with, that cling and it bears roots and now we hold fast. We cling to the word of God and we're patient as things grow. Because here's what happens when you, when you plant a seed. Here's what no farmer expects, to plant a seed and have fruit by the end of the night. To plant a seed and to wake up the next morning and there be fruit. You and I, as we cling to the word of God and we keep saying yes to the word of God, we keep reading it, believing it, applying the word of God, here's what we should also know. It takes time to cultivate. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with those around you. Maturity is I will be patient, but I will keep saying yes to the word of God, letting that voice be loudest in my life. This is Doug and, and Amanda Sherman. They gave me permission to share a little bit of their story. If you're in my life group, they look familiar because they're in our, our life group. Now, if you would have asked Doug a year ago, would it, wait, hey, would Jason ever use you as a sermon illustration? He would have looked at you and said, well, yeah, but for nothing good. Uh, he, his life uh, was one way, and he, he came to church with Amanda, and he, and he shifted. He, he said yes to Jesus. He said yes to Jesus, and right around that time, he started having heart complications. And he went through some major medical issues that, 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 that shifted his thinking a little bit. And then from there, their marriage was on the rocks where they were having some real hard conversations. And Amanda calls up weeping and crying like, I'm so worried about my husband. Not only his health, but mainly his health, but now also the implications on our marriage. And then, and then they started to kind of work through that. They, they'll, they'll point to the series we did on Jonah and how much that helped them. And, and, and they started to shift. But then Amanda had some medical issues that she had to fight through. And it was a very, another very stressful and hard time. But as a life group, we were able to come alongside them and, and to love them. You know what? I had to look at Doug one day and say, I didn't use this terminology. I didn't say, like, hey, Doug, don't be the first three soils. <laughs> I didn't look at him and say, hey, be the good soil. He wouldn't have really understood that. But I looked at him and said, you said yes to Jesus, and you have a choice. You can fight, and you can cling for truth, or you can be led by your emotions and run away. But, Doug, I know you to be a fighter, and I'm asking you to fight. And he fought for the truth of God's word in, his, in every area of his life. You know how that bared fruit? If you're in my life, you remember, you remember that life group. Remember that life group where they were sitting there holding hands? I caught, they were playing that thumb thing that couples do. It was so adorable. <laughs> They're in love with each other. I've also known Doug to now come alongside others and talk about marriage, give them advice. What? Not six months ago. I've seen them as, as they leave church on a Sunday and they take a God loves you card and they go to the mall. They were the couple that jumped somebody not to rough them up, to, to give them a jump in their car. <laughs> 
and help them out and give them a God loves you card. They're leaving these things all around the mall showing acts of kindness because God's word has penetrated their hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we living on last week's sermon? There's no preacher good enough to, make you, to, to get you through a whole week of everything going on in life. We have to cling on God's word every single day. Are we trying to live on, hey, I used to study God's word. I have this Bible degree. That's good enough. Maybe that's such in the distance future. Maybe that's why passion is diminishing because we're not constantly in it. Maybe you don't see fruit in your life. The question today is, what are you doing with this book? And is it leading you to a place of prioritizing the one? You can prioritize the word of the world, or you can prioritize the word of God, or you can prioritize the one. You can do the last two things together. The word should lead us to prioritizing our ones, the people that don't know Jesus. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. He says, no one after. Now, he's not breaking stride. This is going to sound different, but Jesus is telling this in conjunction with the parable, so it all goes together. Uh, light, lighting, lighting a lamp covers it up with a jar or puts it under a bed but he puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light and have nothing for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest nor is anything secret that will be will that will not be known uh, and come to light take care how you hear uh, for to the one who has more will be given and the one and the and from the one who has not even what he thinks that he has will be taken away Jesus is saying, you have a responsibility. What you have heard, you have a responsibility to do something with it. He, he uses a very logical illustration. No one in a dark room lights up a candle and then puts it under and hides the candle. Why? Because if you wanted it to be dark, you would have never have lit the candle in the first place. So if you light it, there's intention behind it to go and to do something, to shine in darkness. You and I have light, which is the truth of God's word. And if we know anything about culture, it's a dark, dark place. What are we doing with the word of God? We have not received the word of God to keep it in, but to shine out. To tell others about the truth, not only of God's word, but how Jesus Christ has changed us, which you will find in God's word. And here's part of the promise. If you've been given, you can receive more if you do something with it. I, as a church, we value endless growth. I want more and more people in the kingdom of God. And if we can be trusted to go out into the community and share God's word, I trust there will be more and more people that come into God's kingdom because of what we choose to do with the truth of God's word. Because what he says about people, did you catch that last illustration? You know people like this. They value a whole bunch of stuff. They value their things. They value their coffee. They value the table that they sit on. And they're holding on to all of these things with the illusion that these things are going to matter when they die. The illusion and what they think they have when they meet the light, the Son of God. There will be a light switch coming on. And they will quickly know that everything they held on to is of no worth. We have an opportunity to share that with people in the most loving way possible. I was in a coffee shop this week preparing for the sermon, and as I prepare for the sermon, God convicts me. 
it's annoying. I'm going to start uh, writing my sermons in a closet. Because <laughs> as I'm working on this section, God has sent somebody into the coffee shop that just came from the courthouse, and his car broke down. And he says, hey, buddy, I'm the only, I'm like, oh, gosh. And he comes like, can I use your cell phone? Now, 99% of America would say, yeah, you can use my cell phone. So I was like, Okay, just please don't steal it. And, uh, and so, like, uh, he, so he takes my cell phone, he calls his insurance company, then he's calling uh, friends, and finally he has to call a tow truck. So I'm Googling, and I helped him find a tow truck company. Uh, and so he was waiting for, for the tow truck company. And as I'm reading this, I was like, that was what convicted me. Jason, everybody in America would have shown him the kindness of letting them use their phone. You're no different. There, no one has seen the light of Christ yet. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I went and got a cup of coffee. I gave him a cup of coffee, hoping that a little caffeine would turn his, turn his frown upside down. It didn't. And I was like, okay, 75% of America now. Probably would have got him a cup of coffee to be kind. Okay. And God was convicting me as I looked at this, like, no one, his, he hasn't perceived the light of God's kindness yet. And so finally I went and got a breakfast sandwich, and he walked out into, well, he was sitting in his car, and it was broken down. I gave him a breakfast sandwich uh, and, and this God loves you card. And... Uh, and it turned that frown upside down, if you will, and he was chipper. He was chipper when he talked to his wife. He was chipper when the tow truck company came in. And this isn't to brag. This is to say, man, what a jerk I am to be led by my emotions and not let that be the first thought. Show kindness to the point where it's noticed. Not to show kindness like everybody else. Show kindness that lights, that lights up Jesus, that shows the light of Jesus Christ. You and I are too much driven by our emotions. When we're driven by our emotions, you know what we can expect? Our emotions to be up and down, so our life to be up and down. We need to be cling to God's word, and even when we don't feel like it, we reflect the truth of God's word. God's word shines on us, and we exemplify that. We show that to others. We fall more in love with God, and then we can't help but talk more about God. I'm in love with Ava Koash. I love her, and as, as the elf would say, I don't care who knows about it. As we grow more and more in relationship, I fall more and more in love with Ava. If you're to ask me about guess what? I can't tell you. I can't help but tell you about the greatness of my wife. As you and I fall more and more in love with Jesus Christ, what should be the natural result? Talk about him. Tell others about how good he is. Our response communicates priority. We can prioritize the world or we can prioritize the word, and we can prioritize our one, the people that don't know Jesus Christ. You and I have a responsibility to reflect the truth of God's word. It penetrates who we are, everything about us. It takes root, and that authentic faith produces spiritual fruit. What is being produced in our lives? Here are three people that you and I would look at their lives and say the word of God penetrated who they are, and it bared much fruit. It was good old soil. First, we got Mother Teresa, who a very famous quote from her says, people are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. For if you are kind, people may accuse you of alternative motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you, uh, cheat you, may cheat you, be honest anyway. If they find, if you find happiness, people will be jealous, be happy anyway. The good that you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good. Give the world uh, the best that you have, and it may never be enough, so give your best anyway. 
For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Here's somebody who the word of God really penetrated. And we would look at her life. We would look at a quote like this and say, she got it. She bared much fruit. She made a difference. Another hero of, of, the, of the faith is, is Martin Luther King. One of his quotes says, let no man pull you low enough to hate him. Here's somebody that made a difference, who understood God's word and made a difference with it. And we would value the fruit that came out of his life. One of my heroes is Billy Graham, who also understood the truth of God's word. And one of his quotes is, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out all right. (laughs) It ends well in the end for those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. You know what our job is as Christians? We say yes to Jesus. That sparks a relationship with Jesus. But as these men and women are an example, here's what happens after that. We never stop saying yes. We say yes to the relationship and we say yes again, yes again, yes again. And we let obedience drive our, our, our love for Jesus, drives our obedience as we say yes and yes and yes and yes. Here's the definition of worship. The feeling, of a, a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for deity. There is but one deity. Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. So before I challenge you, let's worship him based on the truth that we know about him.